You are listening to the Transformational Nutrition Podcast, produced by Rebecca Flannery. Rebecca is an evidence-based nutritionist from Lincolnshire in the United Kingdom. In her regular podcast, she covers some of the essential subjects that revolve around intelligent nutrition, boasting a reputation for making complicated food-related issues easy to understand. If you are keen to live your life with more energy, vitality, and you want to optimize your chances of living a healthier and longer life, you'll become a regular listener of the Transformational Nutrition Podcast. Well, this is Rebecca Flannery's second podcast, second major podcast, and today's subject is one that I think everybody will be interested in because it's all about energy. Who doesn't want to live their life feeling more vitality, more energy, more get up and go? So my very first question is that, Rebecca, is it possible to get a noticeable increase in energy from our food? Absolutely, David, it is. The issue in modern society is that we tend to rely on processed foods with poor nutritional values that are high in calories. It's in our makeup to want calorie-dense foods, a trait passed on from our hunter-gatherer ancestors. So when we consume them, our gut likes it and it signals to our brain for more. And this is what makes um, processed foods so appealing. But it's catch-22. You end up consuming your daily calories fairly easily without nourishing your body. And then you end up feeling lethargic or sluggish and often guilty as well. But if we choose more fresh, nutritious foods, then we're providing our body with the essential nutrients, vitamins and minerals necessary to maintain energy levels and increase mood. It comes from the inside out. You know, goodness, um, well-being, it all comes from the inside out. If you're nourishing your body with nutrient-dense foods, then you will feel an increase in energy. It's interesting if I look at my own personal circumstances, there are occasions, even though I'm not a regular meat eater, occasionally I'll have, let's say, a steak or maybe some mashed potatoes and then within an hour I just want to go and lay down somewhere. If I've been out for dinner at night, I'm not in the mood for drinking afterwards, it's go home and crash out. And then the other end of the spectrum is I'll sometimes have a very large, strong coffee from Costa Coffee, let's say, and the light's brighter, I feel more (laughs) energetic, not always in a good way. We'll come on to that later on. But in the meantime, walk me through some of the foods and nutrients that are known to help with energy. Well, contrary to popular belief, there is no such thing as a single superfood that you can eat um, every day that will provide you with all the energy that you need. It doesn't It doesn't work like that. Uh, and the media is awfully good at, at marketing these things because we all want a quick fix. It's actually a healthy, balanced diet, including a variety of foods that is key in making us feel good. And like I said, whilst there are many nutrient-dense foods out there, no one uh, food will provide you with everything your body requires There are, in fact, at least 24 essential vitamins and nutrients that our bodies require. No one single food is going to give us that. Furthermore, the manufacturing process can greatly reduce the nutrient density of our foods to the extent that they give you a false boost, do little to satisfy your body uh, over the initial uh, reward. And that's what really is required to keep your energy levels consistent, satisfying your body. And in contrast, a diet rich in unprocessed foods can, can vastly enhance your health which has a direct positive uh, impact on your energy your motivation and your happiness so if you're nourishing your body from the inside out with unprocessed foods you'll notice you will notice a great increase in, in energy levels if however you are eating a balanced diet but you're still struggling with energy then it's wise to consider whether you could be lacking in certain things such as iron uh, or and or b vitamins or folate because these are directly linked with energy and mood 
You could do this through a food diary. You could have blood tests done at your GP. And iron deficiency is, in fact, really quite prevalent amongst young girls and older people, especially younger people that are extreme exercising, which we see a lot of these days. Um, and it can that can end up leading to anemia, which, as we know, can leave you feeling really lethargic. So good plant-based sources of iron, well, they include spinach, lentils, and beans. But what people don't realise is that their bioavailability is quite limited. Um, and what that means by bioavailability is that they are not, the, the nutrients aren't accessible once they're digested in the body. Uh, the bioavailability of iron in animal sources, however, is much, much greater. Now, there are two types of iron available in food, uh, non-heme and heme. Non-heme is found in green vegetables like spinach, but this is what I mean by uh, the non-heme in spinach is not as bioavailable um, because it's not as easy to absorb in the bloodstream. And this is also the case for calcium and vitamin A. They are much easier to absorb from animal food sources rather than plants. Does that make sense, David? It does, absolutely. So... If you do find that an iron deficiency is leaving you lethargic, it's actually worth increasing your meat intake for that reason. That's not to say you won't get enough from vegetable sources if you're not a meat eater, but you will need to be more aware and probably eat a lot more plant-based sources than you would need to meat sources, uh, like for the reasons that I've discussed. Um, Vitamin B5, B1 and folate are found in peppers, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, kale, cauliflower, avocado, peas... Uh, and folate, you can find it in citrus fruits, liver, if you can uh, stomach it. <laughs> and animal sources of protein like lean meat, dairy, eggs. They're also rich in, in B vitamins. The other thing I think I should point out as I'm listening to you there is that there are probably scenarios where people have got what I would describe as being a chronic lack of energy and they should really consult their GP. And one of the th- reasons I say that is because I have a friend whose wife mm, suffers yes. chronic energy lapse and yeah. she occasionally, kind of once a year, has to have a, um, I think it's a transfusion of iron. She yes, has, to, yeah, has, to, yeah. has to have it put into her intravenously. Yes. And then, as if by magic, for six to eight months, she feels completely normal again. Yeah, I mean, in cases of anemia, I would always refer, so if somebody has been diagnosed with anemia, whilst we can look at diet and we can look at ways of improving things for an individual, I do, you know, I would always refer out, I would refer to a GP in those situations, um, you know, as much as I want to help everybody as as I can, we've got to be realistic and pinpoint people in the right directions when necessary. Yeah. Okay, so I understand that some of the valuable nutrients that exist in foods can actually be dramatically reduced with the cooking process, i.e. boiling things, for example. So what are these foods and how we can how can we remove that issue? Well, interestingly, um, and I, I don't think this will come as much of a surprise to, to many people, but vitamin C, um, B5, B1, folate, just um, off the top of my head, are damaged during the cooking process. So foods that are high in these essential nutrients are often best eaten raw. So things like peppers, uh, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, kale, cauliflower, avocado and peas. Now, I know people are probably thinking, oh, God, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, um, you know, raw. But actually, you know, if you chop them up quite finely and put them in a salad, they're really quite nice, particularly broccoli. You can make it almost like a, um, a bit like broccoli cauliflower and mix it in with a salad and it's and it's lovely and the same with uh, Brussels sprouts although sometimes what I tend to do with Brussels sprouts is dry fry them just for a really 
short, quick period um, to reduce the amount of nutrients that are lost. And they can be um, really tasty as well with some spices. So really, boiling them in a lot of water is a surefire way of losing vitamins. So like I just said, cooking them, sautéing them, dry frying them, or in a little water is preferable, really. What are your thoughts on the people that actually put them in a, a blender uh, or a smoothie maker and, and actually eat them raw, almost like a milkshake, but a smoothie? A smoothie, a green smoothie. Yeah, that, that is not a bad idea, David. I must admit, I went through a phase myself uh, for a good while of having a green smoothie every morning. Fruit smoothies can be quite high in calories, can have lots of things added to them. So in some, in, you know, sometimes it's actually quite wise to add some greens, such as spinach, kale, etc., to your smoothie, because you will be getting a lot more nutrients for a, a, a lower calorie um, intake, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's a good it's a good boost for those that struggle to get their greens in throughout the day. And you can add, you can make them really taste quite nice by adding, you know, some almond milk into them. Um, I used to add some ginger into mine. Used to experiment with all sorts of different flavors. I'm not sure this is right or wrong, but when I take them, I have to add something citrusy like lime or lemon. I've done that. Yes, that yes. makes it or mint, and that makes them yeah. There's a lot all more palatable. There's lots of different combinations. Like I said, I was doing it for a while, so I experimented with all sorts. You know, cucumber and celery. You know, maybe this. on your Facebook page and your website, you could perhaps suggest a recipe that yeah. you know is tasty. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yes. Onto this kind of processing cooking thing. So this is a bit of a paradox question, really. In the previous question, we said that we're removing um, yes. certain things by cooking, but there are some instances I understand where actually cooking the ingredients increases their nutritional value. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah, I was going to um, touch on that, David. I'm really pleased you asked that question because actually there are some nutrients in foods that become more available, so they become more bioavailable in our bodies um, when they've been cooked. Of course, things like eggs and meat, um, you know, they should be cooked because it makes the protein in them much easier and tastier to digest and will also avoid food poisoning. Um, but there's also this is also actually the case for a number of plants and grains and beans. So, for example, cooking tomatoes, carrots, a sweet potato and spinach, we're able to absorb beta carotene much better. Um, and iron and other minerals are also more absorb absorbable when eaten like this. And a number of anti-nutrients and anti-nutrients, what we mean by that are, are harmful nutrients. And they can be eliminated by cooking grains and beans. Mm. Next question, and I've kind of read a lot about this over the years, and I've known people that have gone on diets that they call food combining diets. Yes. So, what are the benefits of food combining? What actually is food combining as far as the body is concerned? Talk to me about it. Interestingly, you know, mindfully combining certain foods can actually increase your energy level by maximizing how your body absorbs them. So, it maximizes the nutrient availability. So, for instance, to get most out of vitamins A, D, E and K, you could um, combine them with dietary fat. So sweet potatoes, carrots, eggs, mushrooms, spinach, etc. are all maximised when they're eaten with healthy uh, fats such as nuts, avocados and olive oils. So the fats help to release the vitamins into your body. This is another reason, sorry, going a little bit off topic, but this is another reason why sometimes, you know, multivitamins um, are not 
used as effectively as they could be because if there aren't so certain nutrients and macronutrients already in the body your body doesn't absorb them that well so that's something to bear in mind but that's probably something we can discuss in another podcast and just going back then to the, the bioavailability of non-heme uh, iron that's found in vegetable sources and it's oft, often uh, absorbed better when it's paired with vitamin c so think spinach kale and lentils with oranges lemons or peppers you know it's i've made some really nice salads with spinach and kale um with you know a citrus dressing you know made from oranges and lemons things like that really do help to increase the amount of nutrients that your body's absorbing which has a direct impact another way of ensuring that you're getting the most energy from your food is by balancing your meals appropriately you know i know we hear a lot about making sure that we eat well balanced meals etc um but it really can help when it comes to your energy levels so eating a lean protein with the whole grain a vegetable and a healthy fat is preferable um add some nice spices or herbs to it and you're onto a onto a winner there and not only will this help you keep you satisfied for longer so you won't need to start you know grabbing the biscuits or the crisps and the unprocessed stuff that's going to give you that energy slump it will release energy at a steady pace until your next meal um okay got to ask you this because the older people amongst us like me and you actually rebecca because you're getting on a bit be now careful david we'll remember the ready break adverts on yes. tv where the little kids has got a glow around them after having had ready break for breakfast which is <laughs> we, we all know ready breaks really oats isn't it and tell me about that i mean they don't do those adverts anymore interestingly but is it possible to eat something like oats and get kind of an energy release throughout the day what's the truth and the substance behind that well, oats, um, I've got to say, they're something that are a staple in my diet because they really are great for energy. They're a superb source of um, important vitamins, minerals and antioxidants. So they are probably one of the most nutrient-dense foods available. There's anything that's going to be a superfood and oats is probably bordering on no, it. No, you but... can't say that, Rebecca. <laughs> you can't say no, there's a superfood and then there isn't. No, no, there no, isn't no, no, then no. there is. No, you know. We'll talk about that on a future podcast, actually, but carry on about it's, oats. It was a tongue-in-cheek comment david and what i'm trying to say is that it's, it's incredibly nutrient dense it doesn't provide everything which is why it wouldn't be a superfood because you know i'll talk about i'll touch on this in a minute but you know you would have to add things to it to make it um, a more robust energy release but there are it does provide our bodies with thiamine magnesium phosphorus uh, zinc, uh, selenium, iron, and lots more that I can't think of off the top of my head. Furthermore, they release carbohydrates slowly into our system, which helps us um, to stay fuller for longer. And they contain certain soluble and insoluble fibres, which helps us to maintain. It helps us stay regular, and uh, it helps us to maintain a healthier gut. By regular, you mean toilet? I do, I do, I do. It can be explicit. It's okay. <laughs> so yeah, it can really help with your gut. Uh, microbiome and which ultimately will also uh, lead to more energy levels we should add as well that oats is one of the few products let's call it that actually can display a medical claim on the box if you go and look at quaker oats for example it's one of the few products that's got trust me on this you're looking at me like i'm not right but i've studied it no no no. yeah go to go to it and you can see there's a heart um symbol on the box and it is it is known to contribute towards a healthier heart Yes, yes, it can help to increase um, the good cholesterol and lower the bad cholesterol. Um, and the, the Advertising Standards Agency are, are now very, very strict on that. Cause oh no, there are there is evidence, that, David. There is there is evidence to to show that 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 definitely yeah. is the case. I mean, another thing as well about oats is that they are naturally gluten free. 
but they are contaminated through this wonderful manufacturing process. Um, so look for gluten-free versions if you are intolerant. And just wanted to pick on as well, you mentioned Quaker oats. They're instant, quick-cook oats. They are actually the most highly processed variety of um, oats. Whilst they are better than a lot of other cereals out there, a lot of sugary versions, I would always recommend going for still-cut or rolled versions just because they're less processed so they're going to be more nutrient dense for your body less vitamins and minerals are going to be lost along the way and to be fair to quaker oats i have to say in case they're listening to this you can actually buy steel cut quaker oats you can you can you can they're not as available as the rolled oats Hmm. but you can absolutely order the steel cut oat uh, online i've recommended yeah yeah, i've recommended that to a few of my clients you did to me actually oh did i i'm not your client but you did just going back to what i touched on before Yeah, and sorry, just to go back to what I touched on in the beginning there about um, oats and how to increase their nutrient density. I add um, protein to mine. Then that that means you're getting a a real good source of carbs and protein and fats in in one meal, which can help you keep fuller for longer. Um, And I do that through protein powder or some nut butter. Makes it much more tasty as well. Now, I tried that, Rebecca. So you need to help us out here. (laughs) I think I probably put too much in. And mm. and the result was it tasted because it was strawberry protein I put in okay. and I put too much in and it it wasn't pleasant it was just too sweet uh, yeah what, what sort of quantities should people be putting in I mean David that's a taste you know that all comes down to personal preference some people I like do that. remember I do remember you mentioned it to me I mean personally I don't like the strawberry flavour in my oats I prefer to add the strawberry flavour to a shake or I add it to my Greek yogurt because it could be really nice in that with with some fresh fruit. In my porridge, I tend to go for vanilla or um, chocolate, or um, I've got a nice chocolate peanut butter one at the moment. I just find that, to me, that's tastier in my porridge. And again, in my porridge, I don't necessarily put a full scoop of protein powder in there, because like I said, it can make it overly sweet if you're adding, because I tend to add almond milk to mine, so it can make it that little bit extra sweet. But if you're making your oats with water then you might like that extra sweetness. If you've got a particularly sweet tooth, you might like it. So it's all taste and you just have yeah. to experiment, David. Okay, well, I do make my oats with water because I don't drink milk. All so. right, okay. Let's move on then to frozen foods. I don't mind admitting that I don't know the answer to this. What When we freeze fresh fruits and vegetables, it's something that's always burned at the back of my head. Are we killing or reducing their nutritional value? What does happen to our food when we freeze it? Good question. Whilst fresh fruit and vegetables are always great frozen varieties can actually be a good choice particularly when your favorite strawberries for instance out of are out of season i mean when you think about it if we're if we're in the middle of december and we're going to the supermarket and buying strawberries the chances are that they've they've taken a long time to get into the supermarket and every day that um you know a fruit or a vegetable or plant is picked it loses certain nutrients so by the time it gets to our, onto our plate a lot of nutrients are often lost, if that makes sense, David. So often freezing locks in nutrients without any added ingredients, without any preservatives. So they can be a better version uh, than something that was picked weeks and weeks ago or that has been flown in. I mean, obviously... That's not if you, if you've got fresh fruits that are in fresh fruits and vegetables that are in season, then absolutely and locally grown even better. Then they are a better option than frozen foods, but. In modern society, frozen foods can can be a better option and a more convenient option as well. So if you're a busy mum like me, frozen can be better. Frozen peas, you know, they're something I've always got in my freezer. 
Um, your body will thank you so much more if you give it some natural frozen fruit or frozen sweet corn than if you give it some ice cream or potato waffles in the middle of winter uh, and trust me your energy levels will as well and also as well fiber isn't affected too much in the in the freezing process which is an added bonus okay so moving on to glucose and things that i would call energy tablets and i have to confess i have actually bought these myself over the years and i do have some at home right now i know they're used by athletes and people who are serious about their workout. What are your thoughts on them for, for people generally? You know, is it sensible for people to take a glucose tablet or an energy tablet for a quick boost or not? They're not something I've used myself, David, and not something I've, I've advised clients to work with, in, uh, to use in particular. I do think they have their place, however, but I'd only really recommend them for, for athletes, marathon runners, who require the steady release of glucose to enhance their performance during long runs. For your average person... You know, I, I don't think they should be looking out for to rely on things like that. I would also always be looking at ways people can increase their energy levels through their diet. I was going to say, it's probably if people feel the need to take an energy tablet, it's probably masking an issue with their diet, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, David. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Water. Now, we read all sorts of information about the fact we should really be drinking at least two litres of water down. I have to confess, I feel amazingly more energetic when I do that. You're no what surprise. Is, what is the role of water in bod bodily energy production? Well, water, I think, David, is crucial in making sure that important nutrients are distributed to the body's cells and that, toxi and that toxins are removed. Water is contained in every single cell in your body, and whilst it doesn't produce, produce energy as such... It's vital in making sure that your body receives all the nutrients that it needs to, you know, so that you can get the most energy out of your um, out of your daily diet. So being dehydrated, that's, I think, you know, is the main reason why being dehydrated can really lead to low le levels of energy. I know this myself, you know, I never used to drink enough and I always used to wonder why I was so knackered all the time. And, you know, once I increased my water levels, I found a massive increase in energy. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So anybody listening, you should try it. Just try to drink two to three litres of water a day. At least, yeah. And feel the difference. And and actually, that's not, it seems like a lot, but it's not really. No, no, not when you space it out over the day, David. Well, my advice to people is not to sip. I actually go to the kitchen sink or I have a water purifier and I actually drink a half a pint at a time. Some people that works for other people's it does. It, I don't think I could. I don't think I'd get through it if I just sipped. Went sip. You know, sipping it. I think I. I have to think. Right. Okay. I've got to get this consumption in. Yeah. But I suppose it's different for everybody. I, I think it is. Um, I know what you're saying. I tend to drink quite large quantities at, at a time, but some people find it much better to just sip it regularly throughout the day, because uh, that can, you know, help to avoid any bloating, um, uncomfortable feelings, which taking in large amounts of water can do. No interview about energy would be complete if I didn't ask you about caffeine. I stated right early doors that I sometimes have caffeine and get like an instant alive feeling. Sometimes actually it makes me feel anxious and mm. I've had really strange feelings after drinking too much caffeine. So we know it keeps us alert and awake. There's lots of evidence to show that. But what are your thoughts on what caffeine is actually doing inside our body when we take it? What's the reality of what caffeine does to us? There's been a lot of uh, media kind of attention around caffeine and saying that it, you know, it can help us lose weight, etc. But caffeine in itself doesn't actually burn any additional calories. But it has been suggested that it curbs 
curbs appetite. But the evidence, I've read a few um, research papers on this and it, it, the evidence is sketchy. Some research papers will point towards the fact that it does help to curb appetite. But one particular study that I read recently revealed that appetite was actually suppressed more by people that in the study that drank decaf versions, which could in fact point to the point to caffeine ha- having a placebo effect, which means that it's a psychological effect that it has on us. So we think that because we're having caffeine, it's it's suppressing our appetite. But if you wake up, if you think about it, if you wake up hungry and you decide to have a coffee, it could psychologically lead you to skipping breakfast and therefore consuming less calories, which would end up making you lose weight. I mean, you know, as I think I discussed in my first podcast with you, there is nothing, there's no food, superfood or or drink that's going to make you burn more fat or, or lose more weight. It all comes down to cal- calorie expenditure at the end of the day. And if drinking coffee does mean that you consume fewer, then it could lead to... Mm. Okay, interesting. But when it comes to keeping us alert, yeah, caffeine does. It encourages to stay awake because it actually suppresses a molecule called adenosine. Now, this adenosine is a sleepiness uh, molecule. So when we drink coffee, it's absorbed in the small intestines within about an hour. And then it becomes available in your blood and parts of your body, including your brain. And as, as this starts entering your brain, it starts opposing the adenosine. Does that make sense? It does. So... Caffeine tends to peak in the blood about two hours afterwards, which is when we usually feel the most benefits. I don't know about you, but usually, you know, you don't usually get an instant hit with coffee. It usually takes... 14, 45 minutes for me, yes. personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I... If I'm... If I'm I use it as a stimulant when, when I work out, as a supplement, should I say. And I tend to always aim to have it about 45 minutes to an hour before. The other thing I'd say about coffee as well, I'm a big uh, fruit tea drinker or fresh mint tea drinker. And what I would say is that when I have a coffee, I do feel it's more viscous and you feel like it's filling you more. And so it would suppress my appetite versus yeah. drinking mint tea. I've never done the studies as, is it more viscous than, than a fruit tea? But it certainly feels like it's thicker. Do you know what I mean? What, what, you know what I'm saying by that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. I do. I mean, like I said, the, uh, you know, whether it's psychological, whether it is actually physiological, you know, the jury's out on that one. And it, just to go back to talking about the uh, the kind of energy boost, I suppose, that it gives you. By evening time, most of your morning coffee will have uh, worked off, which leads to you feeling more relaxed and sleepy again because uh, you've had adenosine is kicking in again. And this is why having coffee so close to bedtime isn't advisable. Mm. Yeah, it does. And the other thing that's not advisable as well is if you want to have a good sleep after having had a night out, try and avoid drink, drinking vodka and Red Bull because it absolutely does stop you sleeping. Yeah. And I can tell you that from personal experience. I mean, interestingly, just to go back to what you're saying about the fact that you drink fruit teas and, and mint teas, I think if you don't regularly consume caffeine, then you will feel its effects more. I mean, I know you were talking more about appetite suppressing, but you will feel the effects of caffeine more if you don't regularly drink it. I think there, there has been some research to show that your body can can get used to caffeine. I do wonder whether I should experiment a little bit with myself with this and try going to the gym without it for a bit and seeing then if it gives me an extra boost if um when I go back to it. But yeah, just just to point that out as well is that if yeah. you are you can habitualize yourself to coffee basically is what I'm saying. Yeah. But I would still always advise somebody to not have it too close to bedtime just because of those reasons that that you know that I explained it can inhibit the increase of adenosine. Um, which is counterproductive to your sleep. Well, I love coffee, but I'm now a minimum coffee drinker because it actually makes me 
feel faint if I drink it too okay. strong, which is weird, I know, but if you read about it, you'll read lots of people get the same experience. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We've talked a lot there, Rebecca, as ever with you, lots of detail, lots of substance, and people might not remember all of it. So what are your key bullet point tips of how people can gain energy from their food? Okay, let's see if I can do this in record time, David. That's a challenge. Well, I think it's safe to say that a healthy, balanced diet that includes a variety of foods is key in making us feel good. Happiness truly does come from inside. In essence, what you need to do is you need to become your own doctor. If you recognize you're feeling low, then look at your diet and where you can make changes. Do this bit by bit over time and note the effect that it has. You know, I often work with my clients on this and so can provide support with that. You don't have to make dramatic changes overnight. That is not advisable. You should rather be kind to yourself whilst being sensible. So can you swap your burger one night for some salmon? And how about having some leafy vegetables in your salad or experiment with some new toppings on your your toast, such as nut butter or avocado, which is a really good nutrient-dense source of food. Adapt gradually, and once you start reaping the benefits, I don't think you'll look back. So, Rebecca Flanner, there we have it. Lots of insight and knowledge around how you can actually gain energy from your food. You talked about some things in there which we're going to come back to, such as, is there or is there not such a thing as a superfood? You don't think there is, necessarily. Don't comment further, because we'll cover that on on a future podcast, but... Thank you for all of your insight and time today. Thank you, David, and I look forward to talking to you again. You've been listening to the Transformational Nutrition Podcast from Rebecca Flannery. If you've enjoyed this podcast, why not give us a positive review or visit our Facebook and Twitter account at Transformational Nutrition to stay abreast of all the news information put out there by Rebecca Flannery, your evidence-based nutritionist. 